Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to PGN, everyone. You are listening to Secrets Revealed, Understand the Book of Revelation from start to finish. I invite you to share your perspective or pose a question about the Book of Revelation during the live Internet broadcast. The PGN phone number is 1-319-527-6027. You can call during the live Internet broadcast For this program, Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, you can call during the live Internet broadcast to share your perspective, to pose a question about the book of Revelation. You may also text in your questions 24-7 to our PGN text number, which is 1214 Five zero five eight seven one nine. If you don't feel comfortable talking live on the air, you can simply text your question or perspective to one two one four five zero five eight seven one nine. Say that this is for the Book of Revelation research scientist. That is me, Dr. Nicole. I am a research scientist by training, but a Book of Revelation research scientist by a assignment from God. So I am here to share what the Lord has given me for you and for us about the book of Revelation. Today we are talking about the earth reaped prophecy and specifically how to achieve immortality. How to achieve immortality. If you had an illness and there was a known cure, would you reach for it? If you had a bacterial infection and the cure is Cipro, would you reach for it? If you had cancer and the cure was known and 100% guaranteed, would you go to get a prescription? If you broke your foot and a doctor told you, if you come to see me, I can bind up your foot and I promise you this bone will heal. And if you follow my instructions, it will be as strong as it was before and even stronger. Would you go? In the Holy Bible, we're told that Jesus Christ Broke the power of death. Let me read to you from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10. And where we're going is to the earth reaped prophecy. Well, we will hear the reality about how every person who reaches for Dr. Jesus, every person who reaches for Dr. Jesus will be cured of 
death. Every person who goes to Dr. Jesus will achieve immortality. Now let's hear it. Second Timothy verse one, chapter ten. It says He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality. And in Revelation chapter 1, it says that Jesus Christ was the first to rise from the dead. So what does that mean? How do you get cured of death? Now, friend, whether you know it or not, your number one enemy is not Hezbollah. Your number one enemy is not any human being who's walking on this earth. Your number one enemy is death. Jesus Christ, his number one enemy, it's not Satan. It's not the Antichrist. It's not the false prophet. It's death. How do we know this? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26 says, And the last enemy he destroys will be death. God has five enemies in the order that he will destroy them. Number one, the Antichrist, Revelation chapter 19. Number two, the false prophet, Revelation chapter 19. Number three, Satan, that old serpent, the dragon, Revelation chapter 20. Every person who rejects Jesus and chooses to be team Satan, Revelation chapter 20, that's, those are, that's the fourth enemy of God. Everyone who's team Satan. And the fifth and final enemy that Jesus Christ destroys will be death now jesus christ is the firstborn excuse me let me say it again jesus christ was the first to rise from the dead let's hear that in revelation chapter one it says revelation chapter one i'm going to go to the new living translation Jesus Christ, he is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead, and the ruler of all the kings of the world. Now, when did he rise from the dead? When he was nailed to the cross, he died. He fell asleep. The Bible refers to the first death. That's the death that happens as a result of living in a mortal body, like the body I live in, like the body you live in. When we die in this mortal body, the Bible refers to that as falling asleep. And three and a half days later, what did Jesus Christ do? He rose from the dead. He was resurrected. He broke the power of death. And he illuminated the path to immortality. Now, death is not permanent. And death is simply falling asleep. What death? That's the first death. But 
What about the second death? That is the death that every person should know about. The second death is God's strategy to destroy his enemies. Well, you say, well, what do you mean by that, research scientists? In Revelation chapter 19, we're told that the Antichrist and the false prophet at the time of the Battle of Armageddon, they are thrown into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur and brimstone where they will reside where they will dwell, that's the location that they will inhabit forever and ever. For the eternities of eternities after the end of time, there's a point where time will no longer be recorded. It will be after the end of the age when we transition from this present earth to the new earth. In Revelation chapter 20, Satan is thrown into the lake of fire. What's that? The second death. Why is it the second death? Because it's the death that happens after either the first resurrection or the second resurrection. After the first resurrection, in other words, after all believers transition from mortality to immortality, that's the first resurrection, and the Antichrist and the false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire at that time. A thousand years later, Satan is thrown into the lake of fire. In other words, he goes to the second death, which is a permanent death, which is a forever death. It is doom. It's eternal damnation. After the great white throne judgment, all who are team Satan, they are destroyed. As you, as you have guessed, how does God destroy his enemies? And everyone who has chosen to reject God, in other words, they've chosen Satan. So we're all in this thing that we call life, the Super Bowl of life, either an individual is team Jesus or team Satan. I want to ask you to consider my request to allow yourself to be recruited to team Jesus. You may say, I'm opting out of the draft. Don't be deceived, friend. No one can opt out of the draft for the Super Bowl of life. You can't opt out of it any more than you can opt out of whether you were born or not. You can't opt out. Your creator has created you and given you the opportunity, the responsibility, the right to decide whether you want to be recruited for Team Jesus or whether you want to stay in the image of your forefather and foremother. What does that mean? Everyone who was born in the image of Adam inherited the propensity to sin and the fallen state. We inherited mortality because we were born in the image of Adam. 
Notice that in Genesis, it says that Adam was born in the image of God. Adam inherited from God the Father immortality, but he lost it through the sin that he and Eve committed. And so everyone after Adam and Eve, instead of being born in the image of God, was born in the image of Adam. And so the Bible tells us in the New Testament that a second Adam was sent. And you guessed it, that second Adam is Jesus Christ, the second Adam restored sonship to humanity. But you have to reach for it. You have to reach for immortality. Now, if I told you there was a cure for cancer and you had cancer, you'd move, you move heaven and earth if you could to get to it. When you have a toothache, you find a way to get to the dentist. If you've ever had ear pain, you found a way to get to uh, the hospital or clinic. You, you found a way to get relief from that earache. How much greater is the pain of death? Friend, you don't want to be caught out there. At any time, we can be caught out there, and when we're caught out there, what does that mean? That means we've fallen asleep. We've fallen asleep. What does it mean to fall asleep? It means to experience death. But again, death is simply falling asleep. The Bible says it more than a dozen times. And when you fall asleep, you will be resurrected at time one or time two. Now, you say, how, how do I know that I'll be resurrected? I want to go to exactly those places. And again, we're going to look at the earth reaped prophecy. And the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, Jesus Christ, he is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead. If there was a first to rise from the dead, and there was, that means that there are those who will come after. Now, who is coming after Jesus Christ? Who else will rise from the dead? Every human being, with the exception of the Antichrist and false prophet, who proceeds straight from this present earth to the second death, with the exception of those two individuals, every other person who has ever lived, either residing at this present moment in heaven or in Hades, as disembodied spirits, Every person will rise from the dead. Now, I want to share with you briefly the first resurrection and the second resurrection. How, do we, how, how can we see that in one scripture? In Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, we have reference to both the first and second resurrection. Now, let me explain very plainly these two resurrections. They happen approximately a thousand years apart. At the second coming of Jesus Christ, at time A, there's the first resurrection. Many things happen at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Time A, 
the first resurrection. He sits on a cloud. We rise up to meet him in the air. We're going to hear about that today in the earth reaped prophecy. After the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ on this present earth, this present earth right now that has polluted waters, this present earth right now that has many nations, this present earth right now where many people worship Jesus Christ and others worship false gods. Jesus Christ is returning to this present earth. Climate change will not destroy the present earth. How do we know that? The Bible. A thousand years after the government of Jesus Christ has begun, the remainder of the dead, the Bible tells us, they are resurrected. Well, why are they resurrected? If if they fail to make the first resurrection, why are they allowed to be resurrected at time two, a thousand years later? They're resurrected for the purpose of having their cases heard because God will bring to a close this age. What does that mean? We are transitioning from the present earth to the new earth. On the new earth, there's no more death, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more grieving, no more mourning, no more pain. That's in Revelation chapter 21. The new earth prophecy, Revelation chapter 21 and verses 1 to 5 of 22. Now, how do we get to the new earth? Every enemy of God must be destroyed, including death. Now, let's talk about these two resurrections briefly. Revelation 20, verse 4 says, Then I saw thrones, and the people sitting on them had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. They all came to life again. Now, who all is coming to life again? It's two groups. Those who are in heaven, in Christ right now, and those who are here on the earth at the time of the second coming. So that's the first resurrection. It happens at time A when Jesus Christ returns. And then it says in verse 5, this is the first resurrection. Then it says the rest of the dead, let me say that again, verse 5 of chapter 20 of the book of Revelation, the rest of the dead, let me say it one more time, the rest of the dead, so this is everyone who has died, and again, we have all inherited the image of Adam, which is why our bodies are mortal. Instead of being born in the image of God like Adam, who had immortality, we were born in the image of Adam. So we need Jesus Christ, the second Adam, so that we are restored to sonship. What does that mean? Restored to sonship, and I'll insert here daughtership. In other words, we're restored to immortality you want to be restored to sonship it's father's day you have a father in heaven who sits on the throne 
you are being recruited to his royal family. You are being recruited to be a part of God's forever family. And his forever family doesn't reside in heaven forever. His forever family resides on the present earth as well as the new earth to come. And he's relocating his abode, which is in heaven, to the new earth. It's Father's Day, and your father has a message for you. And the message is this. Jesus Christ was the first to rise from the dead. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says, For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. This isn't a wish or a fantasy or a fairy tale. This is not science fiction. This is science fact. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. In Romans chapter 2 verse 7 says, he will give eternal life. To those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. Did you hear that? God the Father is offering you and me immortality. He's offering us the cure for death, your greatest enemy. And you know that death is an enemy because Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, it says about him and his work. And the last enemy he destroys will be death. It doesn't say in the last sickness, the last problem, the last issue. It says the last enemy he destroys will be death. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26. If death is an enemy to God, then death is an enemy to you. Death is my enemy. Death is your enemy. So what is your creator's solution? He will give eternal life. To those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. So today, please hear me, truth seeker and friend. Please hear me, truth seeker and friend. What does the word of God say? It says God offers immortality. Now, Immortality is a gift. You're free to accept it or reject it. If I show up to your house and I have a million dollars, you're free to accept that cashier's check for a million dollars or to reject it. You're free to accept or reject the cure for death. God is offering you today 
Today is the day of salvation. God is offering you today immortality. Now, how do you achieve it? Acts chapter 2, verse 30, gives God's three-step plan. Now, if I show up to your house with the cashier's check for a million dollars, and I give it to you, you've received it, but you don't yet possess the million dollars. You have the check, but you don't yet possess the million dollars. How do you possess the million dollars? You receive the cashier's check, and then you take the check to the bank. You have to deposit the check. You must deposit the check. So that the funds are put into your account. That payment, that payment must be put into your account. Now you have a sin debt that makes your account negative. Your account with God is in the red right now. If you have not found and followed his plan for salvation. Now, you might say, research scientists, uh, I've already followed God's plan for salvation. I'm saved. Well, then your account's in the black. But just in case, just in case the account is in the red, I want to share with you how to get your account in right standing, how to not only know about immortality, but how to achieve it. You achieve immortality. I achieve immortality by following Acts 2.38. We confess our sins and repent. What does that mean? We turn away. We make up our mind and set our heart to reject the sins. In other words, the evil deeds and, and thoughts that have haunted and hurt us and others. Now, you don't want to be under condemnation, we're all ashamed of the wrong things we have done. Maybe it's stealing. Maybe it's lying. Maybe it's thinking wrong thoughts. Maybe it's hating uh, an enemy. Maybe, maybe it's something you wanted to do, but you didn't. Maybe it's something you could have done and you should have done, but for whatever reasons you didn't. Listen. The way to reach for immortality, Acts 2.38, let me read it to you. In a nutshell, it says, and this is what Peter told them. So Peter was assigned. Peter was assigned, uh, and his assignment was to preach the word of God. And this is what he said to those like you and like me, they wanted eternal life. They wanted to live in a physical, tangible body forever and ever. They didn't want to die. They wanted to live. And so Peter said to them, 
repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's it, friend. And I want to read. Uh, I want to read other translations of that. If you go to the King James version, it says, "Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit." Now, when you do this, when you follow Acts two thirty eight, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that means. That part of God, the Holy Spirit, dwells on the inside of you. So you've been baptized into his death when you get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then God comes to live on the inside of you. So when you die, if you fall asleep before the second coming, when you die, that body has in it the coding of God. That body has in its DNA the coding of God. It has in it God's Holy Spirit. And so when he returns in the same way, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, your body will rise from the dead. But it won't be your body with gray hair, your body with bad hearing, your body uh, suffering from a bad back, bad knee, bad foot, Parkinson's, you're missing a, a finger, your toes hurt, uh, whatever it is, friend, and truth seeker. And you might say, my body's perfect. I'm the number one draft pick for the NBA this year. Listen, you have not yet been in your best body. Your best body is your peak performance glorified body that will never, ever die. It'll never get old. It'll never suffer from mental illness. It'll never suffer from physical illness. It will never degrade. It will never decompose. It will never, ever die. It will live forever and ever, and it will allow your soul. What's your soul? Your mind, will, and emotions. It will allow your soul to have an earth suit that is perfectly tailored for you. It'll be the best earth suit that you've ever had. You haven't lived your best day yet. You say, my best day was in 1971 and this happened. Or my my best day was in 1989. My best day is going to be in 2024. No, friend and truth seeker, your best day hasn't happened yet. And the reason that we know it hasn't happened yet is because you have yet to put on your peak performance earth suit you've yet to transition from mortality to immortality but you will if you reach for immortality acts 238 now what does remission mean payment payment remission means let me read you a definition from the dictionary remission means 
the cancellation of a debt, charge, or penalty. You want your sin debt canceled because the wages of sin is death. So when your sin debt is canceled, that means that instead of you having death, the first death, you get to participate in the first resurrection. You get to transition from mortality to immortality. I want you to do that. Do you want to do that? If you told me, if you told me that you had an infection and it was causing you to have a fever, it was causing you to be tired, it was impacting your ability to work, sleep, eat, the list goes on and on and on, I would be focused on how to get the antibiotic, in other words, the cure that you need to kill to destroy that infection that was attacking you. Well, friend and truth seeker, what's attacking you and what's attacking me right now? Mortality is attacking us. We're in these mortal bodies and it's an attack. How do we defeat our enemy? We cannot defeat our enemy unless and until, unless and until we reach for Jesus Christ, unless and until we follow Acts 2.38. Now, let's go back to that check for a million dollars. I bring you the check for a million dollars, just like I'm bringing you the word of God. I'm bringing you Acts 2.38. That's God's check. That's God's check for immortality. I've got to cash that check if I want to receive it. You've got to cash that check if you want to receive immortality. Now, how do you cash that check? How do you get your cure? How do you get on the schedule, on the list, for participation in the first resurrection? Peter tells us. It says in the New King James Version, That's the translation of the Bible I'm reading from right now. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's how to cash that check. Now, we could spend uh, hours days, weeks, we could spend a lifetime simply talking about Acts 2.38, but we're not going to do it. I'm simply going to share my heart's desire, which is for you to seriously consider reaching for immortality. One of my favorite movies, one of my favorite movies is The Time Machine. So as you may know, there are two versions of the time machine. There's the first version, I believe that was in 1960, and then in early 2000s, there's a second version that they made with uh, Guy Pierce in it and Samantha Mumba, I think is her last name. Here's what's relevant for us. In the movie The Time Machine, there's a scene where the Morlock, emerge 
from the darkness under the earth, and they steal some of the humans that are living on the earth. They steal them, and then they suck them down to under the earth into the prison of darkness where they are for their demise. The Morlocks actually eat humans uh, in the time machine. So this happens in the movie, The Time Machine. And then after it happens, everyone, almost as if in a trance, they just go about life. They go about life, and they have one way to remember the dead. They make these mobiles that they they allow to rise up in the air, uh, but they don't allow themselves to talk about it. They don't allow themselves to really reflect and uh, work towards a solution for the reality that the Morlocks, like clockwork, They come up from under the earth, they steal the living, and they take them with them to the prisons of darkness that they live in under the earth. And I I, I was often really, uh, really moved by that scene, and it took me years to figure out why am I I so uh, moved by this scene? What, What about it feels familiar? Certainly... I'm not aware of anything called a, a, a Morlock in our lifetime. I've never experienced anything like that. And then one day it hit me. Then one day it hit me. That's what we do on this earth. That is what we do. In the secular world, people die, and we don't talk about it too much. Talk about it a little bit. Oh, it's sad. But we focus on young people and how to be as youthful as we can when in reality there's no person who is not edging closer to that Morlock, who's not edging closer to falling asleep. So what am I saying? Let us not be like those foolish humans in the time machine who refuse to confront their enemy. And so Guy Pierce, he has traveled from the past into the future, and he says, to heck with this. I'm going after this enemy. And so I'm asking you, are you, are you going to allow Are you going to allow mortality to take you out without a fight? And you say, well, I work out every day. I eat my Wheaties. I'm a vegan. I'm not talking about taking care of this mortal body. That's important and that's good to do. Do it. Do it. Take good care of your body. I do my best to take good care of my body as, as well. We should do that. But that's not a solution to the problem that we have. Uh, Working out seven days a week, eating a vegan diet, taking supplements will not transition me or you from mortality to immortality. If it could, Steve Jobs would still be living, right? 
If it could, the Queen of England would still be alive. There's only one way to transition from mortality to immortality. There's only one way to achieve that. That's to cash that check. Where's your check? Acts 2.38. If you have a Holy Bible, go to Acts 2.38. If you have a phone that's Internet enabled, just type in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. You might say, well, I'm a Muslim or I'm Hindu or uh, I practice Santeria or um, I'm a white wish, whatever these things, friend. Jesus, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. If you have Jesus, then you have the Father. If you don't have Jesus, then you don't have the Father. And you want the Father. You want to be with me and the others when we dwell on the new earth where there's no pain, there's no more death, there's no sorrow, there's no more grieving, there's no more mourning, there's no more suffering. You want to be on that new earth where God the Father has relocated. God the Father lives in heaven. Jesus Christ, that's God manifest in the flesh, he lives in heaven right now. Jesus Christ is coming first, then a thousand years later, after He has destroyed all five enemies of God. God the Father is literally moving from heaven to the new earth. But he's not going to do it until every evil thing has been destroyed. You want to be, you you want to be here with me and with us. More importantly, you want to be with your creator. That's his will for your life. Now you can cooperate or not cooperate. You can cooperate or not cooperate. You can accept or reject your check. Now, if I came to you with a million dollars, I believe you would receive that cashier's check. I believe you would receive that cashier's check. Now, I'm talking to you about something that's worth more than a million dollars, more than $10 million. How much much money do you think Steve Jobs would have given If a person could have given him immortality, what amount? Do you, do you think he would give $5 million? I think he would. What about $8 million? What about $80 million? I don't think there's any dollar amount that you or I would not give for the opportunity to live forever. And how much more does God want to give you beyond immortality? He wants to give you immortality on a new earth where there's no more war. There's no more suffering. There's no more death. The next time you have a horse on the new earth, your horse, your cat, your dog, let me say, I don't know exactly what animals will be on the new earth, okay? We know at the time of the second coming that Jesus Christ returns on a horse, so obviously on this present earth during the millennial reign, there are going to be animals. I believe that on the new earth there will be animals too because there were animals there in the Garden of Eden. So I can't say that for certain, but we do know for certain that there's no more death, and so 
if you have a cat or a dog on the new earth, it will live forever right along with you. Don't you don't you want to uh, don't you want to cash that check? Now you might say, I don't know you. I don't know you, Doctor Nicole. Why should I believe you? You should not believe me. You should believe the word of God. In John, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So I'm sharing with you not my opinion. I am sharing with you, uh, you know, I've I've read I don't know how many books, and I say that not to, um, not to, uh, Say that that's a, a wonderful use of my time or that I know a lot because human intelligence is very limited. I don't put much value in human wisdom. I put much value in the word of God. No human, no human can give me victory over my enemy. So why do I want to spend my days and hours thinking on human ideas? When the idea, the promise, the reality of immortality is presented in the word of God. There's no book more important, more useful, more exciting than the Holy Bible. Why? It's the only book that has your check in it. Now, let us hear in the book of Revelation, the new earth prophecy and then we're going to the earth reaped prophecy. So I've been talking about how to achieve immortality. And I want to share with you what it says in the book of Revelation, the culminating work, the culminating book of the Holy Bible. So if you were going to a concert, I say we were going to see Earth, Wind, and Fire. They're playing some songs and they're playing their greatest hits. Then at the end, they played their greatest hits, and we're excited, right? Or maybe we're going to see, you know, um, let, me just, let me just pause there. The Bible has 66 books. It has books in, uh, 39 books in the Old Testament. 27 books in the New Testament, the last book, the pinnacle of the Bible is the book of Revelation. It is a book of secrets. Secrets for who? Secrets for truth seekers. Now, here is the pinnacle of the book that's the pinnacle. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Here is the final vision of 12 visions John the Revelator was shown when he was called up to heaven. This is what happens after the end of time. This is what happens after all five of God's enemies have been destroyed. This is what happens to you and for you and with you if you choose to cash that Check Acts 2.38, if you choose to achieve immortality through Jesus Christ. Here it is, the New Earth Prophecy, Revelation chapter 21 through verse 5 of chapter 22. 
Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. And they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, to all who are thirsty. I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Then one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues came and said to me, come with me. I will show you the bride the wife of the lamb. So he took me in the spirit to a great high mountain and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious stone, like Jasper as clear as crystal. The city wall was broad and high with 12 gates guarded by 12 angels. And the names of the 12 tribes of Israel were written on the gate. There were three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. The wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. I'm going to pause there. Verse 14 of Revelation chapter 21. Now I'm going down to Revelation chapter 21, verse 27. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. In Revelation 22, it says in verse 3, No longer will there be a curse upon anything. For the throne of God and the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. Then the angel said to me, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and True. Friend and truth seeker, 
Are you going to reach for immortality? Do you choose to become a member of God's forever family? In other words, God is relocating from heaven to earth. First, he's coming in his earth suit. That's his glorified, perfected body, Jesus Christ, God manifests in the flesh. Remember, the Bible says, hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. What does that mean? There's God the Father, that form. The Bible tells us that no one has seen his face. So there's God the Father. He has a certain form. What does it look like? I don't know. No one has seen the face of God the Father, it tells us in the Bible. That's one form. But there's a second form. Jesus Christ, that's God manifest in the flesh. And then there's the Holy Spirit. That's the form of God that allows him to be everywhere on this present earth at once. Anywhere he wants to be and he wants to live on the inside of you. Why? So you can have 24-hour access to the Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the counselor. Now listen. Is there any counselor who knows more than God? No. Do you think Sigmund Freud knew more than God? Certainly not. Do you think Dr. Phil knows more than God? Certainly not. Do you think I know more than God? Certainly not. Do you know more than God? Certainly not. You need to have access to the Holy Spirit 24 hours a day. You might say, uh, well, research scientists, God loves everyone. Listen, there's a difference between somebody loving loving you and somebody living in you or with you. You may have a best friend who loves you, but your best friend's in California. That's different than if your best friend lived in the same house with you. Now, your earth suit, your body is your house. God wants to live with you on the inside of you, giving you access, giving you the ability to hear from him, to have his counsel, his instructions 24-7. Now, whether you're a Muslim, a Hindu, a Christian, whatever you are, you need access to the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. There's only one way to get that. There's only one way to get 24-7 access to the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of you, you have to cash that check. You have to follow Acts 2.38. You might say, well, I want to... I want to get access to God. I'm going to chant. You know, I see the Hare Krishnas. I live in Maryland and in downtown Silver Spring. Sometimes on Sundays they're chanting. They're doing those tambourines. Um, You know, they're doing what they think will allow them to have God with them. What allows us to have God with us is God living on the inside of us. All right, now we're going to the earth reaped 
prophecy. And I want to ask you, if you haven't done so today, please, please reach for immortality. I love science fiction, but what's greater than science fiction? Science fact. I am a scientist by training. I spent thousands of hours studying research methods, statistics, uh, psychology. You know, there's some value in it, but to be frank with you, not much. Not much. The true value is in the Word of God. The true value is finding and following God's plan for eternal life. Now, either you're going to find God's plan for eternal life or you're going to follow Satan's plan for eternal damnation. Now, why does Satan want you to have eternal damnation? Because that's his fate. He wants you to be his flunky. He wants you to be his child. So if you're a child of Satan, then you go where your father goes. Where is he going? He's going to the lake of fire. If you're his flunky, you allow him to use you. What does that mean? You have practiced sin. It's one thing that sin here and there, and it's not your heart's desire, but you do it anyway. We're all fighting uh, the temptation to sin. It's another thing to be in a lifestyle of sin, to practice sin on a regular basis. So that's what Satan wants you and me to do. He wants us to be his flunkies, to uh, create, to manifest his agenda on the earth. What's his agenda? To steal from God's forever family and to make those who are destined to be God's children his children. He wants to commit paternity fraud. Don't let him. Don't let him. I am against paternity fraud. Are you? It's Father's Day. It's Father's Day. And paternity fraud is wrong. It's wrong to steal fatherhood from another man. Now, if you legally adopt a child, There's nothing wrong with that. But to steal fatherhood, and that's what Satan is doing. That's what he has done. He wants to steal you from God the Father so that you will be with him where he's going. He wants you to be his child. He wants you to take his mark, the mark of the beast, instead of getting the mark of God. Now, we're going to go to the earth wheat prophecy. We're going to hear about the harvest of the earth. We're going to hear about the mark of the beast. If you're following along in your Bible, we're going to Revelation chapter 14. You might say, well, I'm, I'm just listening right now. You can see and have the basic study notes for this talk by going to blogtalkradio.com, backslash live prophetic. The basic one-page study notes are always available for every program of Secrets Revealed. Understand the book of Revelation from start to finish. Blogtalkradio.com, backslash live prophetic. So on those one-page study notes, there are seven sections. Let me tell you uh, what they are. So I invite you to go there at your leisure 
so you can look at the basic uh, study notes and use them. So on the basic study notes, uh, the name of the statement of prophecy being discussed uh, for the program is there, the location of the statement of prophecy in the book of Revelation, the abstract, the verses that are the abstract for the statement of prophecy, the full discussion, those verses in the Bible are there. A non-exhaustive list of key topics is listed. For example, today we'll be talking about Babylon, Mark of the Beast, God's Wrath, the Battle of Armageddon, and the Great Wine Press. That's listed under letter E on the basic study notes. Then uh, keywords, phrases, and numbers are listed. And then finally, uh, other prophecies connected to the specific statement of prophecy are noted. So I invite you to look at the basic study notes and just uh, save them for a, a time when you might want to use them in the future. Okay, and thank you again. A listener asked uh, last September, are there notes to go with these talks? And I said, no, but that's a great idea. So since then, we've been... Uh, I've been putting these basic study notes in for listeners. Now, we're going to the earth reaped prophecy, Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 to 20. In this prophecy, some of the key topics are Babylon, the mark of the beast, God's wrath, the battle of Armageddon, and the great wine press. Let me give a brief overview. Here is what's coming up. In the future, the green light for the rebuilding of Israel's third temple will happen. That green light is a peace-sharing agreement, the confirmation of the covenant. In other words, there will finally be the acknowledgement that God has promised this land, the Temple Mount, for use by the Jewish people, and the Muslims will agree, and the powers that be will allow the nation of Israel that supernaturally came back together in 1948 will allow them after nearly 2,000 years to rebuild a temple of worship in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. Now, the mosque that's there, it's not going anywhere at that time. So the Jews will be worshiping in their rebuilt temple. The Muslims will worship in their mosque, both on the Temple Mount. That's coming up soon. After that happens, once the temple is rebuilt, shortly thereafter, the Antichrist will stand in the middle of the rebuilt temple and declare that he is God. That will be the beginning of the great tribulation, which is the wrath of Satan. The wrath of Satan has the purpose of destroying Israel and Christians. So it's a time of great tribulation for the people of God. Following the wrath of Satan, which is three and a half years, that's 42 months, 
will be the wrath of God. We're going to hear about the wrath of God today. The wrath of God, it's not for the children of God. It's for those who belong to this world. It's for the children of Satan. The wrath of God includes seven final plagues discussed in Revelation chapters 15 and 16. Now, these seven final plagues culminate with the Battle of Armageddon. Now, that's what we're going to be talking about today, the culmination of the wrath of God. So what's the culmination of the wrath of God? It includes a couple of things. It includes taking out the headquarters of the harlot church where the one world religion, a false Christianity, the headquarters for the one world religion, that city will be destroyed. As discussed in Revelation chapter 17, 18, and 19 verses 1 to 5, the purple and scarlet prophecy. So what happens we're talking about at the time of the second coming, the wrath of God. So there's a great tribulation, the wrath of Satan. That's followed by the wrath of God, which culminates with the destroying of the city that houses the harlot church, that's Babylon, as well as the Battle of Armageddon. So next month, we're going to be focused all July on the seven final plagues prophecy. So we'll be talking about the wrath of God, Revelation chapters uh, Revelation chapters 15 and 16 in July, the seven plagues prophecy. But in this prophecy we're talking about today, the Earth Reef prophecy, we're going to hear about we're going to hear about the Battle of Armageddon, as well as the first resurrection. So let me say this in a nutshell. I know I've talked a lot about what's coming up in God's prophetic timeline. Think of it this way: this is very simple. Time A is the first resurrection. Time B is the battle of Armageddon. So at the second coming of Jesus Christ, many events are happening at time A is the first resurrection. Time B is the battle of Armageddon. Now, in this Earth Reap prophecy, we're going to hear about what happens to two specific groups. Now, sometimes people get frustrated when they look at the book of Revelation because and this is completely normal. They're looking for specifically what happens to me at this point, this point in time reported in the book of Revelation. But often in the book of Revelation, a specific point of time is noted and what is happening to some subgroup of the population. Don't be offended by that. Don't be stressed out by that. Everyone is in the book of Revelation, but you have to know where you are. And God is choosing to point out 
things that happen to specific subgroups for a reason. We want to know the mind of God. We want to unlock these secrets of the book of Revelation. You and I do not appear in every verse and in every section of the book of Revelation. That's not negative. Now, who's in the earth reap prophecy? Number one, at time A, there's the first resurrection. The first group of people talked about are those who are here on the earth. In other words, those who survive the great tribulation and who are caught up to meet Jesus Christ in the clouds. Now, as you know, the first resurrection has several parts, including first those individuals who are in heaven. First Thessalonians chapter 4 tells us that they put on their bodies that rise from the graves first. Second, the people on the earth, those of us who are alive at the time of the second coming, we transition from mortality to immortality, and we rise up to meet Jesus Christ in the air. Okay, so in this prophecy, the first group of people we're going to hear about, those who are here on the earth at time A. Then there's a reference to every person who belongs to this world at the time of the second coming. So what does that mean? The Bible refers to people who belong to this world and people who don't. So in other words, those who belong to this world and those who belong to the kingdom of God. So those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life and those whose names are not. So in other words, every person who participates in the second resurrection because they're going to the second death, those are the people who belong to this world. So the second group of people we're going to hear about in the earth reap prophecy is everyone here at the time of the second coming who belongs to this world. How do we know that they belong to this world? We're going to hear about it in this prophecy. We've been, we know they belong to this world because they have taken the mark of the beast. And when they take the mark of the beast, they have put their name permanently and irrevocably on the roster for Team Satan. The third group of people, and this is really um, the highlight of this prophecy. The, the, this prophecy focuses most on this third group. The individuals who have taken the mark of the beast and who are in the armies led by the Antichrist and the kings of the world the armies that are there in Israel for the purpose of fighting the battle of Armageddon. Now, they, those armies think that they're coming there just to take over Israel, right? So war is happening all the time. People send their troops into Mogadishu. They want to take it over. Or they send their troops into Afghanistan. They want to take it over. They send their troops into Taiwan, wherever, right? That happens every day. But when individuals gather together under the leadership of the Antichrist, the human being, the man who will declare that he is God when he stands in the rebuilt temple. Under his leadership, there's a specific war that they're going to fight. Those armies 
So different nations will contribute troops. We know from uh, different parts of the Bible, Russia will contribute troops. Ethiopia will contribute troops. Libya will contribute troops and other nations as well. Um, When those armies enter Jerusalem under the leadership of the Antichrist and the kings of the world, they are going to fight the battle of Armageddon. Now, in this prophecy, in the third group of people that the Bible reports on is what is the fate of those who have taken the mark of the beast there at the time of the battle of Armageddon. So let's do a quick snapshot of what we're about to hear. Group number one, every person who's here in Christ at the time of the second coming when Jesus Christ is uh, in the clouds, we rise up to meet him in the air. Group number two, every person who's taken the mark of the beast. Ultimately, every person who has taken the mark of the beast and who is here at the time of the second coming, ultimately they're going to experience the first death, and then they'll participate in the second resurrection. At the second resurrection, they will be judged, and their sentence will be eternal damnation. So they're going to go to the lake of fire that burns with sulfur and brimstone, and there they will reside forever and ever. They don't perish there forever and ever. They reside there. They dwell there. They're tormented there. You say, well, how are they tormented? The absence, the absence of the love of God, the presence of God, the will of God, that's torment. That's torment. The third group of people, Those individuals who are in the armies led by the Antichrist and the kings of the world at the Battle of Armageddon, they die from the sword that comes from the mouth of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ uses a weapon, a two-edged sword, described in Revelation chapter 19, and 100% of these individuals die on this present earth at the Battle of Armageddon. When they die, it creates a river of blood. There's so many people in these armies, right? Like all these nations have sent people to take out Israel. They think they're going to take out Israel, but they're actually going to be taken out. There's so many of them that a river of blood happens, and that river of blood that includes their bodies, the bodies of the animals that they brought along with them, The river of blood is 180 miles long. You say, this is horrendous. Yes and no. Obviously, the loss of life is horrendous. It's God's will that none should perish, but all should come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But some people will perish because they choose to reject God. Now, these individuals who have taken the mark of the beast, they're going to perish at the Battle of Armageddon. So that's group three. Now, let's go to the prophecy. Let's go to the prophecy, the earth-reaped prophecy. We're going to hear about these three groups of people. Revelation chapter 14, the new earth, I'm sorry, I said the new earth prophecy. I meant to say the earth-reaped prophecy. Here it is, verses 6 to 20. And I saw another angel flying through the sky, carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people who belong to this world. 
To every nation, tribe, language, and people, fear God, he shouted. Give glory to him, for the time has come when he will sit as judge. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all the springs of water. Then another angel followed him through the sky, shouting, Babylon is fallen. That great city is fallen because she made all the nations of the world drink the wine of her passionate immorality. Then a third angel followed them, shouting, Anyone who worships the beast and his statue or who accepts his mark on the forehead or on the hand must drink the wine of God's anger. It has been poured full strength into God's cup of wrath, and they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night. For they have worshipped the beast and his statue and have accepted the mark of his name. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently, obeying his commands and maintaining their faith in Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this down. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit, they are blessed indeed, for they will rest from their hard work for the good deeds follow them. Now we're getting to the full report of this prophecy. Here it is. Verse 14. Then I saw a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was someone like the Son of Man. So what is this saying? This is the beginning of the full report of the prophecy, the documentary, if you will. Jesus Christ is sitting on a cloud. Then it says, he had a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then... Another angel came from the temple and shouted to the one sitting on the cloud, Swing the sickle, for the time of harvest has come. The crop on earth is ripe. Now, who's the crop? The crop on earth is every believer in Jesus Christ. At the time that Jesus returns, he has returned and he's there in our atmosphere, sitting on a cloud, the angel says to him, swing the sickle for the time of harvest has come. The crop on earth is ripe. So the one sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the whole earth was harvested. So whether a believer is in Afghanistan, Australia, Mogadishu, Zanzibar, Botswana, Salt Lake City, Los Angeles, Atlanta, Garland, Mexico City, Geneva, wherever a believer is, it says the whole earth, Vancouver. Listen, if I didn't say the city or town where you live at, don't be offended by that. Wherever you are on the earth, if you are here at the time of the second coming, which is soon to happen, you will participate in this harvest. In other words, you will transition from mortality to immortality. Okay, so that's the first group. Now let's continue. After that, another angel came from the temple in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel who had power to destroy with fire came from the altar. He shouted to the angel with the sharp sickle, swing your sickle now to gather the clusters of grapes from the vines of the earth, for they are ripe for judgment. Let's pause there for a second. 
So in Revelation chapter 14, verses 15 and 16, there's earth's crop, which is ripe for harvest. And then in Revelation chapters 17 to 20, there are clusters of grapes that are ripe for judgment. So ripe for harvest, which is the first resurrection, and ripe for judgment. What's that? God's wrath at the Battle of Armageddon. Now, God's judgment includes many things, but specifically we're going to hear in these scriptures what happens to those who are clusters of grapes, they're going to be pressed. They're going to be squeezed in the wine press at the Battle of Armageddon. Why? They're ripe for judgment. Whose judgment? Not my judgment. Not your judgment. Not the judgment of the uh, United Nations. Not the judgment of the World Health Organization. The judgment of Jesus Christ. Let's hear it. After that, another angel came from the temple of heaven. We're in verse 17 of Revelation 14. And he also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel who had power to destroy with fire came from the altar. He shouted to the angel with the sharp sickle, swing your sickle now to gather the clusters of grapes from the vines of the earth, for they are ripe for judgment. So the angel swung his sickle over the earth. And loaded the grapes into the great wine press of God's wrath. Now, friend and truth seekers, due to time constraints, we won't go there today. But in earlier programs, last Thursday, uh, this Thursday that just passed, uh, June 15th, I believe it was, we went to the Battle of Armageddon prophecy, that's the marriage supper prophecy, Revelation 19, verses 6 to 21, where we heard more about the wine press. Due to time constraints, I'm simply going to communicate here that the great wine press is the Battle of Armageddon. And the Battle of Armageddon is local. It happens in Israel. It doesn't happen anywhere else. It's not going to be fought in the United States. It's not going to be fought in South America. It's not going to be fought in Australia. It's not going to be fought. The list goes on like that. It's going to be fought in one place only in a specific location in Israel. So these clusters of grapes do not refer to all who belong to this world. In other words, it doesn't refer to everyone who's taken the mark of the beast and who missed the first resurrection. It only refers to those who have taken the mark of the beast and who are there at the Battle of Armageddon because they are fighting with the Antichrist and the leaders of the world because they want to take down Israel. Okay, let's continue. Swing your sickle now to gather the clusters of grapes from the vines of the earth, for they are ripe for judgment. So the angel swung his sickle over the earth and loaded the grapes into the great wine press of God's wrath. The grapes were trampled in the wine press outside the city and blood flowed from the wine press in a stream about 
180 miles long and as high as a horse's bridle. So what happens? At time A of the second coming, believers transition from mortality to immortality. In this particular prophecy, it talks about the believers who are here on the earth. At time B of the second coming, there's the Battle of Armageddon. And at the Battle of Armageddon, the clusters of grapes, in other words, everyone who's there in the armies led by the Antichrist, they are killed. I want to briefly go to Revelation 19. I want to read you Revelation 19, uh, verse 21, so you can hear that. This 180 miles of blood, that's what it is. It says in Revelation uh, 19, verses 20 and 21. Let me go to 21. Let's go to 21. Revelation 19, 21. Their entire army was killed by the sharp, by the sharp sword. Let me start over. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. So the entire army of those in the armies of the Antichrist, the entire army is killed by Jesus Christ. Verse 19 said, Then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. So this is where we have the report on the Battle of Armageddon. On one side, Jesus Christ and the armies of heaven. On the other side, the Antichrist and the kings of the world and their armies. And there they are. It's time for the war to end all wars. The battle of Armageddon and what happens, verse 20 says, and the beast was captured and with him the false prophet. In other words, the Antichrist and false prophet, they're captured. What happens to them? Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. So they go to the second death. But what happens, what's this 180 miles of blood in the earth reap prophecy? It's this. Their entire army was killed. How, how do we get to 180 miles? How do we get to a river of blood at the Battle of Armageddon, at time B of the second coming? We get there by this. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. So don't take the mark of the beast. Cash that check, Acts 2.38. Achieve immortality. Immortality is within your reach. If you are hearing the sound of my voice, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. Seek after the immortality that your father is offering you today. It's Father's Day. Honor your father. God loves you. 
God loves you and he's recruiting you to be a member of his forever family. Will you accept his invitation? Will you reach for the immortality that he's promising? I invite you and encourage you to do that. And according to Jeremiah 33, 3, reach out to God. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know.